For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hey, this is Nico Robin from One Piece, and you're listening to The Geek Show. Welcome to the Geek Show on 104.5 CVFM. This is uh, the last in our series, I believe. That's last right, it's the uh, end of series six today. And we've got a guest in today, we've got Dave from OneCon. How you doing, Dave? Yo, dudes. I'm doing pretty well, thank you. Good. How's your week been? Not bad. So much to sort out for the convention. It's in about a month now, uh, 24th, 25th of August. Nice. All coming together, lots nice. of things to announce in the next couple of weeks. So nice. check out our group on Facebook and our website at wonkon.co.uk and keep updated. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be, it is going to be fantastic. There's uh, all sorts of games that you got going on. Yeah. Lots of games. Loads. Uh, game of coming down and bringing a load of pods uh, we've been talking to a lot of the publishers who are bringing stuff directly to us and mm-hmm. we're having tons of tournaments going on uh, things like Marvel vs Capcom Tekken, Tekken Tag 2 yeah. and all the favourites like Mario Kart Smash Brothers yeah, yeah. get some nice casual stuff going on Brilliant. and uh, loads of free play um, but you've got lots of screenings as well oh yeah Oh yeah, um, some really good stuff you got. Well, on. the way we're going to do it is we're going to have one little room for screening where you can just go if you want to like just concentrate on what you're watching. And we're also going to have the uh, the cafe area is going to have all the screens showing the anime as well. Cool. Ah. So while you're enjoying your food and everything, you can just chill out nice. and watch some uh, watch some anime on there. Fantastic. Um, how you been, Israel? Yeah, not too bad. Same old, same old with work. <laughs> Didn't you go for too a picnic work. today? 
well, kind of. I wouldn't call it a picnic because that's not as masculine, but... It's not masculine to call it a picnic. Was it a barbecue, like meat, fire? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was fire. There was lots of fire. (laughs) Lots of fire and big hunks of meat. Oh, dear. (laughs) You can count on Rob to turn something so manly. No, no, that's it's so. it's what's supposed to be manly. It's supposed to be you know <laughs> big hunks of meat cooked over a fire. That's yeah. supposed to be manly food. Yep. Poke the meat with your stick just to assert your manliness. <laughs> wow. Did you really just say that? <laughs> uh, I think I might have. Sorry, guys. I've just ruined everything so so early on. It's all yeah. Right. It usually gets into Harry, about, you've got competition here. <laughs> usually gets into about half an hour, and it's all downhill. Yeah, I think Harry's got some uh, uh, got some competition now. <laughs> yes, uh, before anything else, though, we do have news. And first up in the news, all you Android users have uh, got stuff to be worried about. Um, yeah. A security research firm called Blue Box believe they have discovered the master key for every version of Android since around 2009. So this is like worse than like jailbreaking iPhones. This is actually you'll be able to access things, details, yes. other bits. Potentially, um, you know, it's a bug that could be ex- exploited to let an attacker do what they want to a phone, including stealing data, eavesdropping, or using it just to send junk messages. Um, and it affects every Android operating system since 2009. This is what Blue Box believe. Uh, writing on their blog, uh, on their blog, Jeff Forrestal from Blue Box uh, said the implications of the discovery were huge. Um, Google has said it currently has no comment to make on the discovery. <laughs> yeah, the bug emerges because of the way Android handles cryptographic verification of the programs installed on the phone. Um, it's uh, you know, any app or program written to exploit the bug would enjoy the same access to a phone that the legitimate version of an application would enjoy. Right, so, and that's yeah. all remote that anyone could do that from anywhere. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, it's it, it's a staggering thing. You know, it's just kind of beggar's belief. Journalists are going to be all over this. Um, <laughs> yeah, you might say that. I mean, at the end of the day, how... How can you leave a giant loophole like that in every... I mean, surely when you make a new version of an operating system, you know, when they, when they came out with, like, you know, gingerbread and ice, ice cream sandwich and various things like that, it's all nice naming them after, you know, tasty treats. Like jelly beans. Yeah, just, just, just close those loopholes or, cha- you know, change the operating system enough so that that loophole is no longer a loophole. Or has Google kept that back door open for certain sinister purposes looking at you, Prism? Ah, interesting, yeah, isn't it? This isn't helping me uh, like um, Samsung, well, Android at the minute, because I went on to Samsung, uh, Samsung Keys to upgrade my S- Galaxy S3, and two weeks later my phone wouldn't even switch on. And I've had my phone for over a year, and before the, that I've never had a single problem with it. Interesting. Um, I've never used an, I- an Android. I'm still using this broken old iPhone. I can see the crack in the screen. <laughs> Thing is, though, mate, have you seen my iPhone 6? Polyphonic ringtones. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't you know it? 
Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was it? The screen is a sixth of the size of your Samsung one. It is, it's, it's, and that's still a Samsung that you got. Yeah, <laughs> I had a better phone than that when I was in secondary school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm aware, but I can check Facebook on it wherever I am, and that's what I need. Yeah, yeah. Um, My phone doesn't allow internet of any sort on it. Yeah, yep. Anyway, uh, according to uh, f- uh, according to uh, Jeff Forrestal, um, any app can essentially take over the normal functioning of the phone and control any function thereof. Um, Blue Box reported finding the bug to Google in February. Uh, Mr. Forrestal is planning to reveal more information about the problem at the Black Hat Hacker Conference being held in August this year. You're going to uh, uh, you're a reveal conference. yeah more information about it at a hacker convention. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Anyway, uh, moving on. What's next? Deep space. Deep space. Deep space. Deep space explosions. Uh, scientists have discovered uh, several huge explosions in space, and they have no idea where they've happened. And they're pretty close to us as well. You read this article a little bit earlier, didn't you, Dave? Yeah, it sounds. Uh it sounds like they only found them just because they happened to have the uh, the radars pointed at that direction at the time. So these yeah. could be happening any anywhere, anytime, and they have no idea what causes them. So there could be some awesome space battles going on that we don't know about, or something else. I don't know. Yes, it could be a it could be you know Giga Giga Mecha Godzilla somewhere in space, or like the Tengen Top of Gurren Lagann throwing galaxies about. Could be. Not outside the realms of possibility yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, um, the these signals, which actually reached Earth between February 2011 and January 2012, had travelled a much longer way. Scientists calculated that all four ploughed through much more plasma than is even contained in the Milky Way. Um, and I'm not talking about like the little chocolate bar. Uh, they were loud too. Each packed energy roughly equivalent to what our sun puts out in 300,000 years. So yeah, whatever these explosions were, they were huge. You know, we're talking like beyond the realms of our uh, our our imaginations. You got little chunks of Alderaan like floating around in our <laughs> in our solar system. <laughs> As if a million voices were crying, <laughs> crying out and were suddenly stilled. Yeah, maybe someone is <laughs> testing a Death Star out there. Yeah. Yep, four. Four explosions, you know. And might we be received, four of them. Thing it is, might we, be a fleet of Death Stars. The thing is, we received, uh, you know, we received the signals from them between February 2011 and January 2012. So, I w- uh, you know, you never know. It could be an alien race out there testing something like a Death Star. You know, well, four in the space of a year. And uh, Star Wars did happen a long, long time ago. And if it's taken that long to reach us. In a galaxy far, far away, much yeah. like this instance. Yes, a long, long time ago. <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. Because remember, yeah. light is slow, uh, sound is slower than light, so it's taken however long to get here. Yep. Well done, Rob. Thank you. It's all right. <laughs> Remind me to visit a cow and then give you a pat on the head. Oh, dear. <laughs> Scientists couldn't crack it, but we just did. Yes. Two words. North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, by the way. Yes, as you've gathered, Rob has joined us. I'd actually be very interested to see what North Korea actually try and use those pictures for. You know, how we've been covering... Well, You know, when, it, when he's not busy being in Gangnam Style, he's got to do something. 
Apparently, he cuts That's his own hair. That's a meme reference. Yes. I'm cool with kids. <laughs> 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 Apparently, he cuts his own hair. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's very up to date for it then. I, I always wonder who put Mac- Michael McIntyre in charge of a country. <laughs> <laughs> what explain the complexes the guy has? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, Broken Age is suffering from cash problems. Now, remember there was a bit of a brouhaha about uh, Double Fine making a point-and-click adventure game and yeah. launching it on Kickstarter. They made $3.3 million. Well, Tim Schafer apparently got a bit too excited at the fact that they got $3.3 million in funding when he was only expecting about 400000 and he's gone a bit overboard and well, overspent all of it he's blown it all at the minute yeah I know um, and now the game is having to go for an early release on Steam as an unfinished game in order to make enough money to finish the game I thought you know uh, correct me if I'm wrong but I thought someone like Tim Schafer would be better at managing a project why he's a developer not a, a producer or anything like that He's still in, th- in charge of a project. So? I mean, he was working for somebody else, then he was in charge of the company, but he was working for a, a what was it, a production studio, the ones who put out. So presumably he was just using the funds that he was allocated. And he's cut out the middleman now, so mm-hmm. he's been put in a whole new ball game that he doesn't understand, so, you know, it's understandable. I mean, they did set up Double Fine purely because they wanted to work without publishers breathing down the neck and get games straight out, but... Um, this is the first proper chance they've had for it. Okay. Well, there's been a couple. Costume Quest went straight onto yeah. Xbox Live PSN without any publisher involvement. Uh, that was quite a small one, though. That one worked mm. okay. There's been a there's a there's a couple of Double Fine games that are pretty good, but and there's about three or four in production at the minute. So I'm slightly worried that the problems that are happening with this one is going to dent any other. Th- plans they've got because this will be overshadowing the, their ability to manage a project that people will be calling it into question yeah um, well it is, it is a concern because people look at stuff like this especially when you're looking for investments you know and obviously with the uh, you know with the early people don't like unfinished games we know that yeah you know nobody really likes <coughs> Minecraft games. yeah at least, at least, you know. Credit to him; he has he, he has explained the reasons why the game is going to be released unfinished, and you know that they will endeavour to finish it. But there was that change to the law where you could get where you, you could potentially be refunded for a game that is unfinished. Yeah, well, it happened with War Z. Yeah, that they couldn't meet their own like claims on their blurb that the uh, specifications they said the game they delivered didn't didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, Nintendo famously say that, um, like, a bad game is bad forever. A delayed game is good eventually. Not the case with all of them. Yeah. But it's better releasing things when they are finished than rushing things out. You're never going to want to pay 40 quid for a game and it ended up like Fallout Vegas. It is the Daryl Brain thing, though, isn't it? I think he he did say it best. He said, you know, if you go out and buy a book... You buy the whole book. You don't buy like a part of the book, and you have to finish a part, finish that part of the book before you can get the rest of the book. Yeah. I don't think that really works, to be honest. Or if you go out and buy a book, you don't buy like half a book. Completely different medium, new media, old media. It's like comparing the moon to a hole over there. 
I don't know. I think totally the, different things. I think the analogy works. It doesn't. It does. No. <laughs> I'm cranky and I'm sweating like a, a wild animal, so I've got, no, <laughs> I've got no patience for you, Rob. I'm not conceding this one. <laughs> oh, it's all right. I had a cornetto earlier. Life is chill. I tell you what, I had the best everything today. An Oreo, like, cornetto. I didn't know they existed. They do. They do in Tesco. 124 for four. Yes. Oh, other supermarkets are available. Yes. And if you want to go to them, they exist. So, you know. Yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> according to Schaefer, uh, the development team have been attempting to trim costs and find additional funds already. But with a production schedule putting a release date of 2015 on Broken Edge, they, uh, you know, they are going to have to cut the game in half. They're going to have to cut it down by... They're not just going to have to cut it in half. They're going to have to cut it down by 75%. Well, they could do an episodic model. Which would work. It's actually a good suggestion. Well, there's adventure games that worked very well with, like, the Tales of Monkey Island ones worked quite well episodic. Yeah, they did, but they weren't Monkey Island. They no, of, but... They they didn't have the same feel. There were decent games on their own. Oh, yeah. right, like... Next yeah. news story. Best news story ever, because it's hilarious. Yes. And I, I put this in just for you. I hate Don Matry. Yeah. Well... He's just the stupidest CEO. He was the Microsoft CEO who pretty much burned Microsoft in a huge way, made it very hard for him in this generation. Yeah. You know, he made these comments of, you want an online ex- offline Xbox? It's called the Xbox 360. Yeah. Well, that's, that card, that genuine chap, a yes. brilliant human being he was altogether, has quit Microsoft and relocated himself. To Zynga. Zynga. Where yeah. his evil can be truly appreciated. Yes. <laughs> Facebook games are the future, of course. So, yes. you know, he's going where the money is. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Microsoft made the news public uh, earlier on this week in an email from Steve Ballmer to all Microsoft staff in which uh, Ballmer claims it's a great opportunity for Don and that he wishes him the best. Yeah, right. Um, Ballmer doesn't say whether Don left of his owner card or was escorted off the premises with his desk contents and toys in a bin liner. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, the uh, nice side of the story is Microsoft actually has a chance in hell now because they don't have somebody who's constantly sabotaging them. Exactly. I'm pretty sure that Don Matrick was secretly being paid by Sony. Um, did you see the Xbox uh, employee that uh, got Sony of Employee of the Month for his contributions on Twitter? Sony issued him with this award after he put up uh, a, a lot of responses to the things like always online and uh, yeah, uh, it was it was a lot of like slurs on like racial and geographical stereotypes based on like why can't you afford internet then yeah. was that the uh, deal with it guy yeah that was his Twitter uh, yeah. response to all this I heard about this. It's I, like, uh, 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 are you sure it wasn't one of those kind of rumours that we really want to be true? No, there was a there was a photograph of this little, little certificate that Sony knocked up for him saying employee uh, of the month. Well, you know, it's been common knowledge now that Sony are huge trolls. Yeah. After the whole, this is how you do a trade game. Yeah. And, make, and their Sony video. Yeah. So they probably did do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's that memo as well when they uh, that they sent to Microsoft just saying thank you. <laughs> after after E3 have you seen the cover of the latest issue of Edge nope um, very black and white just says why your next console is the, the PS4 and then a bit to the side what Microsoft how Microsoft messed up 
Oh, this is the thing. I, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate just a little bit and go back to uh, something that I mentioned on a previous show. Um, it was what Microsoft were trying to do, and Don Matrick in his, you know, uh, with and they might have actually got the point across if Don Matrick hadn't basically, you know, basically been employed all, by them. Yeah, <laughs> been employed by them. If he hadn't all but sabotaged the, uh, you know, their presentations, if they'd actually presented it in the way that they should have done, they would people would have understand understood that what Microsoft were trying to do was move away from disc-based games and develop something along the lines of Steam. Too much too soon. Exactly. It's either all in or... Yeah, it's either all all or nothing. He's he's done it all, you know, he needs 50-50 and he... Yeah, you need that crossover period, you know, without it. Gamers don't like, you know, all or nothing things. They like it when you have that crossover period. Thing uh, is, Don Madrick must have known, like, he was going to be losing his job for him to do something as daft as that, though. (sighs) No, he, he he exists in a different plane from us. He's, yeah, yeah. Well, the first Xbox presentation when they revealed the console, I kind of sort of let that one slide a little bit because the whole thing was geared more towards like investors, stockholders, and uh, people who don't understand the industry. Yeah. Whereas the ones at E three for them to stay on that same message, that was just a real, real bad, yeah, bad idea. Anyway, moving on, WTF Award number one, in-game ads. Now, you know you get those adverts in, in, in games that, uh, you know, they advertise various things and they're just not real, they're just fake ads that they make yeah. up for a game. Well, The Last of Us had an advert for pest control and it had two phone numbers on there. Both those phone numbers connected to uh, pornographic phone lines in real life. Now... There's been a big hoo-ha about this. Uh, a big coincidence or a, a trigger-happy developer. Uh, well, this is the thing. What, uh, the, uh, the, the, th- the fact is, whenever these, they have this thing called the 555 numbers in the States, and these 555 numbers are normally blank. They're just dead numbers. They're no, they don't exist. Right? They're there for movies and games developers to use to put, into, yeah. uh, to put into their games and stuff like that, to make adverts and things like that look a bit more authentic. Now... Most of them aren't used, but some of them are used by the pornographic phone line industry. Only a few. I can understand, you know, randomly hitting one, but there's two numbers on this poster, and both of them connect up to different phone lines. That's not, you know, that's not coincidence. No, Somebody's done that on purpose. Yeah. Naughty Dog haven't have released a patch which uh, obscures the offending phone lines, so people can't uh, phone them. <laughs> but this has gone onto the actual the actual news, like BBC News yeah, and things. It, so it, it was a, a pretty big story. But it, it, thing is, you got to take it in context. It became a big story because The Last of Us is such a popular game. Yeah. Well, yeah, but there will be people who this is the only thing that they'll know about this game. Yeah. That because. There's people that only see the real news, so they won't have heard about The Last of Us being a brilliant game. They'll just hear that, go on this game, you'll get numbers for sex lines. No, no. The thing that kind of bugs me about this, though, is who on earth, who in this world, is sad enough to phone numbers from video games? Do you just suddenly go, oh, you know, you see an advert for pest control in The Last of Us, which is a futuristic, apocalyptic game, and you think, oh, I've got a problem with cockroaches. There's a number on that game. I'll phone them. Well, there is sometimes things, that little Easter eggs, like, um, you know the you know Scrubs? Yeah. 
Whenever they mention a phone number in Scrubs, they've usually got a voicemail set up if you call that number. Yeah. So, like, you'll phone up what Turk's number on the screen and you'll get through to a fictional John Turk answer phone. So those ones actually reward you if you actually try yeah. it. So I don't know why they try it for The Last of Us, but it occasionally does pay off. Stuff like that's not really common knowledge. I was just some sad kid in his bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Students. <laughs> Lots of free time, you know, why not? Uh, that's, the, that's the age when you do that sort of stuff. You've got loads of time, why not? He's got a, he's got a point. Anyway, WTF award number two before we go for a song. Uh, overclock your brain. Now, um, I... Uh, uh, I don't know where to start with this one because it just reminds me so much of shock therapy. Um... There's a company that has uh, developed a uh, developed a visor type device called the Focus or the FOC.US, right? And they're promoting this particular type of therapy called transcranial direct current stimulation. In other words, sending jolts of electricity into your brain. Um, they believe that by doing so, you can rev up the old grey matter and speed up your processing of information, thinking, and reactions. Do you want to see the device? This is what it looks like. Go for it. Now, I've read a lot about shock therapy. (laughs) And the last time I looked, shock therapy doesn't really speed up your brain. So are those pads on the back of the head? Yes. Like towards the... That's not the part that even... That's like medulla oblongata. That's like the really primitive part of the brain. Yeah. So, speed up the primitive part of your brain, then. Hmm, make that more prominent. Yes, that's the way to be civilised. And look like Gordy at the same time. (laughs) Check that out. Would you guys wear one of these? Would you try it? No. I'm looking at this and I'm going, nope, you're not messing with my brain. Hang on, I've got an exam. Get me a car battery. Let's uh, sit with you. (laughs) Seriously, who comes up with these ideas? I don't know, it looks like a glorified headband. But, I mean, we know that shock therapy is directing electric current into your brain in order to cure certain types of, you know, uh, mental disorders. Yeah. Well, it'll make Geordie from Star Trek Next Generation cosplays you. Because <laughs> it does look like his headband visor. You're it does, right, it? it does. That's what I said. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure to oh. turn it off. I wasn't. I'm can you imagine if? It, it, can you imagine if you were wearing that and you started shaking hands with people? Yeah. Anyway, um, transcranial direct current stimulation. I don't even like the sound of that. No, none of those words sound healthy. Now, direct current stimulation. It, it just sounds like somebody's going to you know, like weigh your nipples to the mains or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Rob's had that happen before apparently by the grin on his face when you said that um, it's a long story <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there hey you're in like Flynn with Quentin Flynn here on the Geek Show so glad to have you along keep it glued keep it glued we don't even know what that means just stay here we are talking today about funny business Yes, I know. Israel's got that stupid grin on his face again. <laughs> As always. Well, the idea behind this is unintentional comedy, and yeah. you've somehow turned that into funny business. Well done, Rob. Comedy, <laughs> well, comedy is serious business, isn't it? 
when, when <laughs> you first when you first told me to come, you said you were going to come up with some like amazing mind blowing pun that would sum yeah. everything. No, no, up. It, it, it was, I said an amazingly bad pun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was that limb. I wasn't even surprised. Yeah, it, it doesn't <laughs> even work. That's how bad it is. <laughs> so well done, Rob. Yes, I achieved my goal. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad for series finale, eh? Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're talking movies, uh, but why? Uh, okay, why are certain genres more likely to lend themselves to unintentional humour? Well, yeah. okay, sorry. No, that's cool. <laughs> I was going to say, like, any horror film that takes itself too seriously, that's if it's not got the budget to back itself up, that's that's a, a gold miner comedy. But does it need the budget? Not really. Yeah, does it need a budget to back up back up the horror? And I'm not talking like something like Blair Witch Project. No, but uh, it's, I, what I mean is like when you see like a monster that's been built up to be terrifying and then is incredibly bad special effects. You talking Godzilla? Oh yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! 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 Godzilla's a, an all-time classic. Yeah. I won't have that. <laughs> there we go. Rob's woke up now. Yes. I, I'm not. I'm just, I'm slowly dripping out my forehead one brain cell at a time. Yeah, he's a radiating iron brew. That's never a good thing. No, no, that's yeah. the best thing in the world. <laughs> radiating iron brew? Yeah, I'm, I'm just sharing the goodness. <laughs> okay. Wow. But, uh, action movies, I suppose. I mean, uh, I referenced it before, but uh, there's a Turkish film pre-slow-mo yes. <laughs> and this guy he gets killed he gets shot once and because he's not of a slow-mo he sort of staggers back you know when you're a kid and you pretend to die in slow-mo yeah he does that but he shouts like really long shout and goes back slowly it takes about 30 seconds does it again <laughs> does it another time does it again I think it's about five times and he does this and it's action films you know that's the problem when they don't have the budget yeah they can be fantastic <laughs> and by the same token, that sort of stuff becomes famous cult movies. Yeah, you know, action. But horror is the same, really. But I mean, you it, know, it doesn't really it's both really. Yeah. It do, uh, I mean, action and comedy. They seem to be the main two when you get this unintentional humour. You don't really see it in something like a drama or a romantic comedy or something like that. No, because they're trying to be too funny. It usually doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, the for, um, one of my favorite uh, favorite movies of all time is Evil Dead Two. Oh, but that that embraces the comedy almost. You, you can't say that's unintentional comedy. He designed it as you know the Three Stooges, but with more blood. No, that's what I mean. That's why I like it because yeah, there's nothing unintentional about it, though. So I'm it doesn't deserve to, to be in this conversation. No, I'm. I'm. Uh, what uh, the point I was going to make was that uh, they saw what was what people found funny in the first movie. Not really. That was his whole kind of purpose behind doing it. He thought horror comedy horrors were too serious. Really? And he's a huge fan of the Three Stooges, so, you know, you put them both together. I was not aware of this. I'd say the uh, fight between Bruce Campbell and his own hand is one of the best fight scenes in movies ever. Exactly, you don't need to say anything more, you know, the fact that he fights his own hand and it's it's not terrible. <laughs> wow. Is all you need to say about that franchise? The thing is, we're talking about it and all four of us have this, bit, have this big grin in our faces when we're thinking about it. So, what about something like Final Destination then, which made me laugh? How? You have to explain that. It basically reduced death to just this big Rube, Rube Goldberg machine. Oh, you know, for people who don't know things like that. Mousetrap. Yeah. <laughs> death was basically mousetrap. 
Well, as I said, if you put like Harry Hill voiceover on it, it's almost <laughs> you've been framed. Final Destination. <laughs> He's got a that's point. A, that's a good He's point. Got a point. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that needs to happen. That's the best fan edit that could ever possibly <laughs> exist. <laughs> Live your mission, should you choose to accept it. Yes. Give me YouTube with all my premiere and uh, like a, few, a couple of hours, and we'll see what we can knock up. <laughs> I, th- I think that should happen. It definitely should happen. Six million hits on the first day. Wow. <laughs> Have that Gangnam style. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's what about other types of comedy then? Uh, sorry, other types of uh, horror because we talked about like the more kind of. Uh, I mean, uh, Final Destination is one of those really graphic kind of horrors. That, that no, it's not. Well, graphic. It's not graphic in the kind of blood and gore. It's graphic in that it's just uh, it's supposed to be serious and you know violent and it's supposed to be all this mystery and stuff like that. It just doesn't work. Basically, that series is death is a bit of a, a sore loser. Yeah, and he takes it really badly. Yeah, he's like a kid who spat his dummy out. Yeah, that's what they're saying in that series. Yeah. But uh, what I was gonna say, yeah, modern horrors. Yeah, some of them. Well, even before that, any unintentional comedy is any movie with Anthony Co- Anthony Hopkins in. That man cannot act. He doesn't have a sort of a grid of subtlety. It's not one through ten. It's one where he's not really caring, and four hundred where he's just overacting to the most. Hilarious, extreme. It makes even the most serious of film absolute jaw jaw droppingly funny. Do you like, know? Like the right is a, a film where he's supposed to be uh, possessed by some demon or some other thing. Yeah. It's a spoiler, but who's going to watch it? Frankly, uh, but he just overacts to such a jaw droppingly good degree. It's hilarious. Yeah. Overacting is the best comedy. Have you ever seen uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space? Yes. It's known as being one of the worst. Like. It was, voted, movies. it was voted the worst movie ever made. Well, Bella Lugosi died during fil- filming, so to replace him, they got someone pretending to be Dracula as his replacement <laughs> in the film. Nice. He literally wears yes. a cloak and yes. goes like, blue. <laughs> that yes. is a classic. Yeah, it is unintentional because uh, Ed Wood, yeah. the guy did it, he, he just think, you know what, we'll do it. It doesn't matter. Get it done. Get it yeah. out there. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it was pretty bad <laughs> yes yes um, they actually made a biopic of him with Johnny Depp didn't they it's uh, probably what's he called uh, the goth guy I don't know his name I guess um, radiating brain cells yes. out of me forehead but uh, yeah the guy who did all the Edward Scissorhands and stuff Tim Burton that's the one <laughs> him. Him. it's probably his best film it is a, it is a really good film um, have you seen the uh, one of the other Edward classics, Glenn or Glenda? It's, I've not seen that one. It's awful. It's awful. I don't think you can really have this conversation though without talking about the room. Tommy Wiseau's. Oh, is that the one with Jennifer Lopez? No, no, it's the one <laughs> where he says, "Oh, hi, Mark." And oh, anybody one. who knows that line will yeah. know exactly the film I'm talking about. It's the biggest cult of cult movies because. This guy is spectacular in his commitment to awfulness. There's <laughs> nothing good about the movie. It's just, it's the worst. It's like he's an alien who's, you know, not quite sure how humans work. And to get close to humans, he made a movie. You know, he doesn't quite work in the human realm. He's Hang just on, is bonkers, the, bonkers, is, man. Is this the one with the where he? Uh, 
with the guy with the weird face who uh, is trying to act and failing really badly. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, infamous. Uh, yes, high yes. Of this Hi, one. Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know which one you're on about now. He's brooding, you know, trying yeah. to be a brooding guy on the roof. Yeah. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah. And it's <laughs> just coming out <laughs> in the blue. It's, it's a bad movie. Don't ever... It, it, no, no, no. Don't scare people from watching it. Watch it. Yes. It's hilarious. It is. It, <laughs> So many scenes in that movie, you just like, really? 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 But at the same time, I don't know whether it was intentional or not, because he appears on a lot of podcasts, you know, he's got a cult following, and he's aware of what his films become, so maybe he's some kind of genius. He just did that because he knew people appreciate it. I don't know. I don't as, I, so. as I say, he's a, he's a... No, but he does... He has followed it up. Yeah. I mean, it's a cult, for a bad, a cult movie for a bad reason, and he's stuck with it, so... Yeah. I mean, if it was, un- oh, it was intentional, I don't think he'd have followed it through in such a way. Okay. Um, what about, uh, oh, what was this called? Damn it, I've forgotten the name of it. It was in my head just then, and it's gone. Because you mentioned the room. And now all I can think about is that. And hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rob. That's going to be in my head for the rest of the day. Any other questions yes um, okay uh, do you know one of, the, one of the things that kind of struck me about this uh, whole idea of unintentional comedy was that uh, you know it seems to have its roots a little bit in the whole idea of uh, of slapstick in some cases I'm not saying in all cases because the room is case you're going uh, to have to follow that up because I'm yeah, not following okay. at all uh, okay we have this thing called gross out comedy now well, you know, is it actually funny? Can it be funny? You know, of course it can be funny. John Landis. John Landis? Yeah. Which ones? Pretty much any of his comedy movies are brilliant and most of them are gross out. Or have a gross out element. Fair enough, they're not quite... Well, John Landis Animal said, House is more than anything else. Yeah. And that's hilarious. John La- but that was more slapstick than gross no, out. No, no, no. Whatever the case may be, you can't just... Knock off a whole subgenre of jo- uh, comedy because no, because well, well, American Pie is awful. No, what I was going to say is, what is the, is there actually a difference between slapstick and gross out? Because there is. Okay, genitals. That's very different. <laughs> Sla- gross <laughs> out. I gross out. An explanation yeah, on this. Yeah, gross out is slapstick with the genitals out. That's the only difference. Really? Pretty much. It, it's really that simple. Well, that's how I see it. Yeah. I don't know, what about you guys? Do you guys see it as... See it like so you're that? saying that, like, getting hit by a frying pan, slapstick, getting hit in the nuts by a frying pan. Yeah, yeah, gross there out. you go, that's the difference. Or if you fall down some stairs with your genitals out, gross out. If you fall down some stairs with all your stuff tucked away, it's just slapstick. There's a <laughs> fine line, wow. and that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you're getting. I'll tell you what, Home Alone would have been a totally different movie. <laughs> oh, <movie. laughs> dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I've already lowered the conversation enough. Let's not take it further. What would they call it? Home Alone? In Graceland. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, um, Pick of the Geek before we go for a song. Your top three unintentionally funny movies. A Street Fighter the movie. <laughs> Just because they didn't understand the source material at all. And uh, what's the name of the guy who plays Gomez Adams and... He plays Bison in Street Fighter. But Raul he, Julia. No, he, that was... Uh, Raul Julia was the one who played... Yeah, he, uh, yeah, uh, yeah oh, Adams. I was thinking Bison the Boxer. Yeah. It is, isn't it? 
Bison is supposed to be the boxer. Um, but they switched it around in Japan. Yeah. He is yeah. Oh, yeah, just because Mike one, Tyson yeah. M. Bison. Anyway, Raul Julia, just brilliant. Uh, like he's meant to be a physically massive, imposing guy, but uh, yeah, he, he isn't, and just plays. He seems to be playing everything for laughs, especially the uh, you know the. But for me, it was Tuesday line. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is he was a brilliant actor and that was his last role before he died I know I know um, what about you Israel I'd go with uh, Spider-Man 3 when uh, when when Peter Parker takes his turn oh John Travolta moment yeah yeah John Travolta <laughs> moment it is just the funniest thing ever it's like every like 13 year old kid in secondary school that just starts watching stuff like uh, what's it Twilight you go through one of them kind of faces. My favourite band is Bullet for My Valentine. No, shut up. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't supposed to be funny, but I think uh, it was. I've seen him as more of an emo, really. Yeah. Sort of well, a crossover that, between Saturday Night Fever and emo. Yeah. Which is a really horrible crossover. Which is a very bad way of like using Venom, the Venom symbiote. Didn't do it much justice, but well, you can defend it and say that's what you thought Curl was. It yeah. Was, it was laughable. Yeah, he was laughing. Exactly. Peter Parker, that's what it tastes like. Man. Yeah, and it's a shame because Tobey Maguire played that role really well. He, d- I don't like him personally. He's I like don't. a baby with an ugly face. I mean, it's, yeah. Mister Frodo. I was going to say the new guy is not much better. Like. He is. Andrew Garfield's a magnificent actor. Uh, me <laughs> personally, I'm going to not pick on one movie, but a load of movies. So that's why I said top three. It's if not names of movies. It's okay. just this com- this thread of. Uh, demonic possession movies we get oh now, god yeah where nobody seems to know when enough is enough and they take it to comical biblically comical levels they're trying uh, do you ever get the feeling they're trying to copy where, the exorcist to a degree where no they're trying to but it doesn't work yeah got the, the balance is all over the place but it's just the fact that they go so over the top it's like it's its own parody but it's taking itself seriously yeah and you could name dozens of movies I mean the right's one of them that I mentioned earlier it's just there's more movies where that's the case than it isn't. Stupid, stupid demonic possession movies. And also Paranormal Activity, that's hilarious. It's hilarious that people find 45 minutes of nothing in a cupboard door slamming the scariest thing that they've ever seen. I find that hilarious. <laughs> stupid people. Hey, I've got doors closing in our house all the time. I think that's probably it's because wind. It, my house, <laughs> it, it's always freezing. There's that, you know, they say if you have, you've got a ghostly thing behind you, you got a cold back or something like that. And the house always creaks, and doors always open, and doors always slam. I'm not a sibling wreck, but all these people who go to see paranormal activity. Oh my god, it's the scariest thing forever, lols. Um, for me, uh, and I'm sorry if you like those movies. No, for me, uh, for me, uh, it was that uh, the snot scene in Blair Witch. <laughs> Do you guys remember that? I don't think you can really say that because scary movie had a great old time. Parody in it? No, I mean when Blair Witch actually came out. I'm not on about the parody. Oh no, but it's just the after effect. That it became something of comedy. No, I mean when it came out before Scary Movie, I found it hilarious. Just kind of, you know, she's. It's supposed to be a serious thing, and then you just kind of you focus on the snot more than you focus on what she's actually saying or the facts that she's scared, and you just keep thinking, wipe your nose, wipe your nose, wipe your nose. I think it's. Be, I think it because at the time it came out, I still, you know, my nephews, uh, my oldest nephews were still quite young, 
And I think that had a part to play in it because kids always need their nose wiping. Also, every ex exploitation movie ever. None of them are good, not traditionally, but they're all funny in that not very good way. Well, yeah. It's badly made, it's badly put together, but oh, it's so funny. It's really funny. Please refer to the Foxy Brown review a few weeks ago. Yes. You know, for what I meant by this. Hello, fellow Vault Hunters. I'm J. Michael Tatum, and you're listening to The Geek Show. We're talking funny business. Can I just kind say of. vampires are real? It's just pasty people in the summer when it's like this. <laughs> we can't go in the sunlight, we've got to stay in the shade. Yes, uh, <laughs> it is. Yourself, I'm fine. It, it is roasting out there. Um, I'm thinking I should just lock myself in a coffin. I'm far too ginger for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See? Told you vampires are real. <laughs> uh, there's that scene festival going on today as well, isn't there? Over yeah, in the uni, yeah. Make a scene. Yeah, make a scene. When he told me about, uh, when Dave told me about it earlier, I thought, is that something to do with filmmaking or something like that? And then he explained actually what it was, so I thought, ah, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of the 12-year-olds who think they're the most extreme metalers in the world, but they like My Chemical Romance. Yes. <laughs> a lot of My Chemical Romance are a fine band to like, just not for me. I find it... <laughs> I find a fine it, band to like. I find it funny that, you know, uh, you get so many kids who want to dye their hair like blue or purple or something like that, and yet my, my, you, we live in the north of England where it's been the tradition for decades for grannies and or, you know, pensioners to get like the blue rinse or the purple rinse or, you know, in <laughs> some cases the orange rinse. Hey, dude, <laughs> it's dude, 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 mine was like blue for two years and it was awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. But I uh, bet somewhere, uh, somewhere you have a relative, uh, a, a, an older relative, usually female, who had a blue rinse, not nope. a purple rinse. No. Nope. Back on the topic of the show, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we're in the review talking. section. No, no, with games. <laughs> I told you, I'm not good in the heat. I was going to say burn, but that's not really appropriate, is it? Yeah. No. <laughs> You're within range of his boot. <laughs> yes, but I'd have to have energy to use it. And I don't. <laughs> Story of your life, man. He's an Arab, you can always throw it at him. <laughs> anyway, we have a show to do. Yes, in jokes. Always yeah. classic. Yeah, well, uh, right. What yeah. factors in games can create unintentional humour? Um, using the example that you uh, gave us earlier, Dave, uh, using a tank to make yourself fly in Grand Theft Auto, yep. for example. Put all the cheat codes on, do whatever you want, just random fun, sandboxing. Can take like the serious tone of a game and just make it into yeah. uh, your own comedy. Yeah, let's be honest with GTA, who actually played the storyline. Hardly anyone. E exactly. Me? I always play the star again. That's why I said hardly anyone. And loads of people. <laughs> Did you ever go bowling with your cousin? Yeah. I'm sick of him calling. <laughs> <laughs> I was glad when he got killed off. Stop calling me for bowling and ice cream. Or is he six? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the original Grand Theft Auto games? Or the like top down view one. ones? Yeah. Those were, those were brilliant for just the, uh, just the level of humour that you got in them. You know, and it was supposed to be a serious game, but it had that kind of, you know, but you just had so much fun, and it was so enjoyable just driving around on top-down view, you know, being chased by cops and, you know, everything like that. 
I'm not sure it was ever meant to be. Like, the first ones weren't particularly serious, because I remember missions where, like, uh, kamikaze monks would, like, try and get you and stuff <laughs> yes. like that, that, like, the tone of it, it all seemed quite, like, it was quite, like, tongue-in-cheek, quite funny, I think. And the sprites were, it made it look like... It, sort it of was very cartoonish. Yeah. But then they brought out Grand Theft Auto 3 with its uh, open world. Yeah, and the much more, like, gritty... And, like, San Andreas with its, like, hip-hop type kind of tone. Yeah. I don't know, but there was so much... There was still so much humour. I mean, if you're not making... If the game isn't meant to be funny, why are you then allowed to drive a tank? Through the city. Are you calling tanks funny? No, I'm just saying, if it's not meant to have any sort of humour value at all, why are you allowed to drive a tank through the city? Tanks crushing cars is always funny for me. Not really. I thought the tanks were there because, like, um, the higher you wanted rating goes, like, the escalation of it, they start sending in the army if you get, like, to a very high wanted level. That's why tanks are in the game. Then you hijack them and steal it. Yeah. <laughs> then you go jumping off, you know, yeah. it jumps around town. That's what Grand Theft Auto is all about. Yeah. 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 Sounds like Cairo two years ago. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, well, and uh, Saints Row took over that legacy when 4 really took itself too seriously. It really did. Yeah. I mean, they had that like a. Bloody uh, cousin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad all my cousins are estranged, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, the cheats then, and the little bugs in games, is that what makes, what allows a game to be funny? Not always. I said about, like, uh, localization. like, the, yeah. the, the translation can be hilarious at times. Do tell. Uh, uh, I, this is something I want to hear on the radio. <laughs> oh, about the Dynasty Warriors yes. one, with uh, just playing through the campaign, and uh, there's all sorts of Chinese generals on the field, but I just noticed one of them's called uh, Dong Tuna. <laughs> He is actually a, a character from Chinese history and mythology. Yeah. Let's just make that clear. It's just two words together just amused me for longer than it should. Yeah, there's a... I don't know if I can say this on the radio, but there's a Chinese film called Dirty Ho, and it's H-O as in <laughs> yeah. a Chinese surname. Yeah. So, you know, its translation yeah. can sometimes <laughs> yep. be hilarious. Uh, it's... Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a perfectly valid point because some of the JRPGs I've played, the translations have been awful. You just kind of, uh, you know, thankfully they haven't overdubbed them. Thankfully they haven't put them into English because I can't imagine any actors who'd want to sit, want to speak those lines. But to be honest, aren't dubs unintentionally funny in their own right? They in can games, be. Yeah. They can be, yeah. Especially JRPGs. Yes. It always makes me wonder how things like... Um, have you played the X-Men, X-Men arcade game? Yes. The one with the, welcome to die. Children of the Atom is yeah. the one you're on about, yeah. How did that end up happening? How did so- they give that to someone English-speaking to yeah. record and then think it was all right? And that I am Magneto, master of magnet. <laughs> <laughs> Just the one. <laughs> the actor must be thinking, oh, wow, what have I done? He's <laughs> it, it, the master of just I mean, the one unless magnet. they got Bill Nye, who will like appear in or say anything for money, I don't understand it. This is true. But, yeah. I, I like d- Bill Nye. I just love that. Uh, I, dead, basically. I remember that Master of Magnet, and oh, it was just brilliant. Uh, how about games physics? I know oh. that sounds like a really broad thing to talk about, but 
In, in you are talking, you know, make yourself fly with a tank. In games like, uh, I don't know, uh, I just finished Infamous 2, one of the powers was you can lift things up with your electricity and you can throw them. And that sort of stuff, it's just hilarious. You, people use it to, you know, finish the game. I used it to make it travel in short. <laughs> well, I tried to, but yeah. you know, it's these little things you can just mess about with the physics and it's hilarious. It's great fun. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it's like when games have a bug in them and you just drive, like I say, uh, Grand Theft Auto have been using it a lot. You're driving down the street, you hit a bug and your car just flies in the air because it's like bounced off an invisible wall or something. So those little game-breaking bugs, although annoying when you're playing it, with a bit of hindsight they become hilarious, I find. It's it, true. It did happen a lot more in a, did a, you yeah, guys in a PlayStation play 2, but not so much now. Did you guys ever play the original Driver? No. It's the one on the PS1? Yeah. I've played Driver 2, because we played that through just to... Uh, Driver 2 had, uh, had a similar thing, but it was the original Driver. It was a, there was a game, there was a mod on it, uh, called a survival mod on it. And if you played the survival mod, it just got... It just went nuts because you'd end up with fifty, a hundred, a thousand cars. I went over a jump, right? <laughs> I, went, Brothers. I, I went over one of the jumps in like the San Francisco map, and behind me there was this tidal wave of police cars. I'm pretty sure that's intentionally funny. <laughs> I have it, can't, no idea. it can't not. It, be, no, you know? it, w- it was actually a bug in the game. Oh, was it? Okay, it was actually a bug in the game, but you know. Uh, just this tidal wave of police cars following me. There's my car. It's a tiny thing like that, and this giant wave of police cars coming over the top. So what we've come to the conclusion of is broken games are funny. Broken games can be funny. <laughs> <laughs> can be downright hilarious. But, okay, why, why is it then more difficult to make comedy in games? Why is it more difficult to make a game that is genuinely funny from the outset? Because that's a big issue with games, isn't it? It's got no good writers. And comedy, it's... You can be funny, but yeah. that doesn't mean you can write funny. And a lot of occasions you get writers who are really not very good trying to be funny, and it's just a bit, really, you try to say that and make a joke out of it? Yeah. Ooh, that's... I hope your parents are proud of you. Sort of moment. <laughs> well, oh, there's times where even, like, the funniest line, it isn't funny the time the character said it the 50th. Because every... when they put it on, like, things that you're going to do all the time, yeah, yeah. it just wears, wears thin. That yeah. happens in a Deadpool, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But I mean, uh, does it all? Does it depend on the type of game it is as well? I mean, point-and-click adventures like Discworld and uh, and Monkey Island, they lend themselves more to the kind of ri- uh, to, to the kind of comedy, the more traditional style of comedy. Well, first-person shooter being funny. Oh, I'm sure there's examples. There'll be examples. There'll be little bits from like various first-person shooters that you know are genuinely funny. But well, Time Splitters is funny because you can be a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> it's as simple as that. Anyway, um, when we played it, we actually barred the monkey because he was too hard to kill. He's too short. Or like Odd Job in Goldeneye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. He was. It's just you can't. Sh- that's not fair. He's too short. Well, Duke Nukem <laughs> Forever is a first-person shooter that tried, tried to be, to be funny. funny and it just failed. That's the thing, no, with the sort of, like, games that, well, type of games that are hot at the minute, like, your open world games, your RPGs, your first-person shooters, how much room actually is there for comedy in those, without affecting the quality of gaming? Well, this is the thing. Saints Row, man- Saints Row 3 managed to be funny without affecting the quality of gaming. 
Yeah, but it's it's it's, it's not a very common thing. It's very <coughs> few and far between that it's done well. True. And uh, to be honest, uh, the humour in Saints Row Three didn't actually require any mm-hmm. sort of intelligence. It was very much kind of uh, brain in gutter. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to need better developed characters to actually get any yeah. humour out of things. I mean, it, they come close to it in the Uncharted games. Are quite good with the uh, the repertoire between the uh, the characters, yeah. the back and mm-hmm. forth between yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they do good banter. Yeah, but uh, until they get like more sort of organic comedy, you could get things from. It's not going to really. Platformers lend themselves to comedy quite well as well. Do they really though? Rayman does. Not really. I mean, it's if you find gobbledygook funny, then you know, fair enough. But it's well, kind it's not, of a, it's not so much that Rayman is more more the kind of visual humour rather than the uh, rather than the spoken humour. Don't really see it. Hmm. Some of the a lot of platformers tried too hard, like things like Earthworms, Jim and Boogerman were yeah. very sort of like. Lol, random. Like, let's put some funny things well, Earthworm, together. Earthworm Jim was, you know, it was based on the cartoon. No, the it? cartoon came after. Did the cartoon come yeah, after? Yeah, yeah. The the franchise started with the games, but really, the games are actually pretty good. The gameplay and everything. Yeah. But things like Boogerman, have you played that one? Yes. Where you just flick snot and fart. Yeah. And the joke mm. wears thin after level one. Of course, there's Abe's Odyssey, which is the the high watermark yes. for hilarious <laughs> platformers. Yo yo yo. At least I think it was. It was. It's like 1996. It's gone back quite a while. Well, Abe's Odyssey, Abe's Exodus, brilliant games, but uh, did you guys ever play Stranger's Wrath? No. On the the Xbox? That was the Western one, wasn't it? Yeah. It was uh, more... Because they had, like, Abe's Odyssey, Abe's Exodus, and then they had Munch's Odyssey on the Xbox, and then they did Stranger's Wrath. And Stranger's Wrath was more a a return to kind of the comedy roots of of the franchise... But now they're doing the hit, the re-release of Abe's Odyssey, which I'm looking forward to. Hey, we've mentioned them earlier in the show, but Timmy Schafer, he's one of the few funniest yes. video game writers. Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders was a brilliant game. I have to say, Brutal Legend was a huge disappointment. Yeah, I loved stuff like Day of the Tentacle back in the day. That was oh, yeah. really good. And uh, Sam and Max and all the ones like that. Sam and Max, it, it's kind of lost its way a little bit when it went to the Xbox, though. What I've not it? played the more recent ones. Just that's, that's like a Lucas Arts game, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they have been dead, frankly, for years. Yeah. Creatively, I mean, creatively bankrupt. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, they did games like Grim Fandango as well, which uh, you know had loads of comedy in there. It was the nineties in general. The nineties was better for game comedy. Yeah. I mean, gamers have t- they take themselves too seriously now. I was about to say that. Do you think games take themselves too seriously now? But I, I would, I would say so. I think there was some comedy in Fallout. And that takes itself serious. Alright, yeah. and a uh, quick pick of the geek then. Um, your, uh, ignore what that says. Uh, your top, your favourite unintentionally funny game. Or your favourite moment from a game that was unintentionally funny. Uh, the entire soundtrack from Sonic R. It's a beautiful thing. Please don't look it up, you'll hate yourself for it. He's, it's true. I'll go with uh, Spider-Man Three, where it's because it's like quite open world, and and there's nothing like picking up like the person you're supposed to save, finding the highest building you possibly can, can climb to the top of it, jump off, and just as you're about to hit the floor, you just like shut the person down. You're a monster. <laughs> it, it, it's quite amusing. I, I I got a lot of amusement out of that, and just trying to find out how invincible Spider-Man actually was. 
Did, did none of you ever like try and see which was like the highest building you could throw him off? And which, hang on, which Spider-Man three, I think it is. Spider-Man three. Uh, I I see my nephew do that playing Ultimate Spider-Man pretty much every weekend. Yeah, there you go. See, so I must admit, I did try that on Tomb Raider. Like every way to make Lara die yeah. is one thing you try at one point. Yeah, exactly. I bet you tried something else with Lara in Tomb Raider. As well. <laughs> <laughs> They actually released, like, uh, in official PlayStation magazine, they had, like, it said, nude Lara cheat. Yeah. But yeah. they printed it on in April Fool. If you actually did it, it made Lara explode. Yeah. So they were just trolling. Nice. It's true. What about you, Rob? Uh, unintentional, you say? Yeah. That's, that's a hard thing, because not many games are actually funny. But uh, one's uh, something that. I know, I mean, intentionally funny, there's few, inten- unintentionally, you know. It's just bad design, and is that really funny? Really? It can be. I- I've really got no answer, to be honest. <sighs> what about you, uh, To be honest, it's a tough one. Uh, uh, oh, no, I've got, uh, I've got a brilliant one. It was. Uh, it's a, it was FIFA, right? FIFA '96, that gem of a game, that gem of a football game, right? <coughs> Had this uh, particular little bug that uh, if if you activated a particular cheat on it, it, the cheat didn't work. But what it did, it made it so that you could kick the ball from anywhere, and it would go into your own goal. It was a brilliant bug, and I activate it, 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 the the humor. The funny bit for me was that I activated this cheat whenever I was playing other people. Refer to me to a previous line. You're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a monster. You and Israel, you both monsters. <laughs> In with Spider-Man, you with FIFA. <laughs> I'm not a monster. Perish the thought. Hi, this is Sarah Canning. I play Dylan Weir in Primeval New World, and you're listening to The Geek Show. Talking unintentional comedy, and uh, I'll get it right this time. We're in the review section. Yes. Yes. We are in the review section. Israel was going to review Iria, but he's disappeared. Well, can I go first? I've got uh, Deadpool. Yes, you can go first with Deadpool. Uh, Well, it's an interesting game, Deadpool. I mean, the story, for what it's worth, is... He's got a contract on some media mogul and it's kind of bent all out of shape and recognition when somebody called Sinister sticks his R in and there's a bigger plot there. Uh, but as a game, I honestly think it's awful. It's one of these games that you get in the 1990s. It's uh, sort of a Roman beat em up, square light hits, triangle heavy hits, you know, shoot with L1 and R1. And there's no map, it's double jumping stuff, it's all brown corridors and very boring set piece. No, not set pieces, very boring uh, locations, you know, the very big common places, you know, there's uh, abandoned research facilities, there's uh, what's the there's sewers there's stuff like that you've played them in pretty much most games like so this. all places where you'll find barrels in abundance yes yes, yes. but 
it's the, not the gameplay. I mean, the gameplay is competent. It's not the best thing in the world, but it's enough to keep you engaged. It's repetitive at times. It's not repetitive at times. But the thing that makes it, to a large degree, is the character. I mean, the writing is kind of hilarious. I mean, I say kind of because it uses this thing that a lot of comedy games uh, do really, which they have a very poor game, but because the character's in on the gag of it being poor, it kind of gives it a free ride, and Deadpool does that. But because Deadpool is the person he is, really, that sense of humour, it's just constantly... It constantly gives. It's hilarious. There's uh, a bit where he just... He's throwing a, a barrel, not a barrel, a chest at one point, mm. and it just uses that an opportunity for Deadpool to really rib JRPGs. And he just uses these little tools that you see in other games and ribs them with, you know, Deadpool's personality and uh, it's all sorts of bits. There's, he just, uh, at the beginning of the game, it's before the actual game, he gets delivered the script and you think, this is rubbish, and he rips out pages and he's constantly referring to how clever the designers are at High Moon, you know. Even though what the, the, the tool employs a bit rubbish. Mm. He makes comments like, very clever, High Moon, or where does, like, there's a fight where you go down this uh, sewer shaft. You know the old-fashioned one where there's a, say, an elevator that's lost all yeah. control and it's going down a tube that just never seems to end? Yeah. And he makes comments of, where are we going to end out in this place? China? You know, he just makes these great off-the-cuff comments. And they use some great... Uh, I, I said the gameplay is kind of one-note, but the fact that he's immortal and he's got this... Well, not immortal, he's got this incredible regenerative capability. Yeah. It uses great opportunities just to mess about with him being in various states of disrepair. So generally, the consensus is it's not a good game... Like, design-wise, it's not very good at all. Yeah. But, it's saving grace, and it's huge saving grace, is the fact that the character is just so good for his, his money, you know. It's a recommendation, but it's a kind of a hazy one. Okay. I mean, it's going to be lapped up in bounds by Deadpool fans, but I think it does enough to, you know, inco- like welcome a new gamers as well so, so it's worth experiencing for the comedy in it yeah yeah it's like uh, but like you wouldn't want to play through it again no, no it's one thing where you're happy to have a go but beyond that I mean you mentioned it earlier he's this character who uses the same lines when he uh, kills people with his swords yeah I mean there's all four which I'm really sick of hearing right now and the funny thing is I can't recite them but it's just one of these things he uses these lines and repeats them and repeats them mm. and repeats them and repeats them and you think oh for god's sake just shut up <laughs> it's Nolan North I'm sick of hearing your voice enough already you're in every game just be quiet for five minutes but I guess that's the charm of the Deadpool character yeah it's catchphrases you could call it that mm. <laughs> you've not played it it's very old school and that repeating a lot of the gags all the time it's the scripted stuff in the events which is the real crown and glory okay um. So, who would uh, you recommend that game for playing then? Or yeah, comic book fans and people, you know, if you see it in a deal like twenty quid, it's worth a punt. Okay. Yeah. Um, moving on, Time and Eternity by NAS America. Um, it's also known as uh, Tokitoa or Tokitoa. Um, it it's an unusual game because it uses three D background models uh, and hand drawn two D sprites. Um, it opens with a scene in which several of the characters are introduced, and the main two being Toki, who is a princess, 
and Zach, or whichever name you choose, because you do get to choose the name of the blue-haired knight character, um, who is a knight, um, but more on him in a bit. Uh, the scene quickly shifts to the wedding of Toki and Zack, for want of a better name. I just chose the default name. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interrupted by an attack by uh, by assassins, which results in the death of Zack and the appearance of Toki's alter ego, Toa. Right? What follows is a very kind of convoluted and complicated journey. Right. Um, it does involve time travel as well. Now, to- time eternity isn't... It's it's a bit difficult to explain, uh, what, uh, explain it, but it's not the best JRPG in the world. Let's get that uh, straight right from the start. The controls are relatively simple, which is nice, and the game does try to blend uh, visual novel and RPG elements. The fights are one on one with creatures that are unfortunately repetitious at best, and even the boss fights are little more than uh, you know normal encounters with more health. Uh, there's virtually no variety in the dungeon monsters inside a particular dungeon, um, which makes grinding and exploration more tedious than it could have been, uh, especially as the 3D backgrounds are pretty much devoid of any kind of artifice or finesse or any uh, any kind of landmarks. Um, combat is based around memorizing and dodging enemy attacks before countering, and it's laughably simple. Mm-hmm. There's no real skill involved in it. Um, the game interface is simple and straightforward, which is nice. It's actually handy that it is like that. And the navigation is also very easy to understand. Very, The maps are very straightforward. Mm-hmm. You, uh, If you get lost in this game, then I question if whether your map reading ability, full stop. Is it as easy, hard to get lost in as like Final Fantasy Thirteen with just one hallway? Yes, it is about on the same level. Hey, you should have a map. You have a map, but you know, <laughs> Hold on. it's really hard to get around yeah. some places. Um, the game, uh, the, one of the biggest problems uh, with the gameplay is that the game can devolve into a tedious mixture of you know monster fights and fetch quests, and some of those fetch quests are unfortunately very very boring. Three um, D backgrounds, and, uh, uh, you know, another problem with this game is there's a lot of pallet swapping. Now you will know what pallet swapping is, but you guys probably don't know what pallet swapping is. Pallet swapping is basically you have a default setup, and then you basically change the skin on it. So, so you'll fight fifty different wolves, but it'll just be the same wolf with a different texture put on top of it. Like, yeah. oh, right, or it'll just, or you'll fight in this game. You'll fight fifty different monsters, but it'll be the same monster with just a different skin put over it. And maybe a slightly different behaviour pattern. And this one's red, so it's harder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is basically on that level. Um, it's, the palette swapping, unfortunately, doesn't just apply to the creatures. It applies to the NPCs as well. Mm. Um, the character designs are very, very generic. Um, which, you know, genericism in, in, in and of itself isn't always a bad thing. But it, in the case of games like this, it can be taken to extremes. 2D animation is sorely lacking. There are repeatedly repetitive sequences during conversations and a severe lack of finesse when Toki slash Toa is exploring dungeons or in combat. And one of my biggest gripes about this game is when you're in a dungeon and you're controlling Toki or Toa, when you turn right or left, she turns and looks at you. And it freaks me out. The first time yeah. she did it, I was like, oh, is that a bug? And then I kept testing it. And then every time you go through a dungeon and turn a corner, she turns and looks at you. And I'll, I will agree. I've seen it. It's like 25 degrees away from the exorcist's spinny head. Exactly. Uh, it, it was 
freaking me out after a while and eventually I mean, I'm at the point now where I can ignore it and go no it's not happening it's just all in my mind but for the first like hour of playing of playing Time and Eternity it was making me paranoid I just kept thinking what's she looking at are you starting a fight <laughs> you know it, it, that was basically it it looks like that sort of cutesy uh, innocent girl in anime thing are you really looking at me? Oh, I'm so shy. That's yeah. the way she's doing it, looking over her and the it shoulder, was, and it's kind of creepy. Yeah, it was freaking me out. Anyway, uh, the background music is a bit hit and miss, which is a shame. Uh, sound effects are decent, but they're very, very repetitive because, again, the palette swapping yeah. comes into play. Um, the English dub, right, if you're going to play this game, play the Japanese dub because the English dub is woefully inept. Um, whoever was in charge mm. of the ADR on this project really needs to go back to school and learn how it's done because uh, it's awful. The English dub is awful. Um, it's And it's mainly because of the script. Mm. It is mainly because of the script. It's not down to the actors. It's the script. Um, the game it does... It's one. Of, this is a rare occasion where the game actually improves with the Japanese dub. You know, the gameplay itself is still the same. Everything is still the same. It's just the Japanese dub makes it more acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, the characters in the English dub are annoying at best. Uh, one, a primary example is Zach himself, who's right. He's portrayed in the English dub as the typical loser lead male whose only thoughts are about his future wedding night, not his future wedding, but his future wedding night, and uh, you know, imagining the girls naked. And he's supposed to be a knight, a more inept knight I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, Toki is no better, the typical, typically vapid fe- lead female, and her alter ego Toa is portrayed as a violent sociopath. Uh, the characters in Japanese, in, in the Japanese dub, do tend to work better, but that is mainly because of perceptual behaviour. Um, that meaning we're more likely to accept that kind of character when they're speaking Japanese rather than when they're speaking English. Okay. Mm. Right. Um, Time and Eternity is not the best JRPG around uh, by a long way but it does have some redeeming qualities if you are patient and forgiving of mistakes and there are lots of mistakes in this game uh, it is relatively light hearted um, but the storyline isn't a patch on the other one uh, the, on its closest relative which is Shadow of Memories now if you play Shadow of Memories it's an intricate game you go back in time to solve your own murder All Right. And the storyline in this uh, in that game is yeah. superior to the one in Time and Eternity. Uh, the blending of visual novel and RPG uh, elements has been done better. Sakura Tyson or Sakura Wars, as uh, as it's yeah. also known, uh-huh. did it much better. Um, some of the there are, some, un- however, some great ideas floating around in the game. One of my favourite bits is the dragon who's afraid of human bu- bureaucracy. Um, it was it was one of those moments where it's just kind of you, you thought of this. You know, you put this in a game, this is a brilliant idea. Why can't you do this with the rest of the game? Um, you know, the wit and humour doesn't always work. Um, but strangely, if you're playing this in the Japanese, in, with the Japanese dub, it does grow on you. It's, it's weird, but the game does actually grow on you. You know, you, can, you will find yourself, yeah. you know, uh, playing the game a little bit more, enjoying a little bit more. But only with the Japanese dub. If you play it with the English dub, it'll just annoy you and you want to punch your TV. Okay. Um, it's not the best effort to come out uh, to come from NIS America, but it's a long way from being the worst RP- uh, JRPG or RPG out there. Looking at mm-hmm. you, Final Fantasy Thirteen. Uh, the developers have clearly tried to cater to the anime market, but it's a very distorted view of what the market actually wants or needs. 
Uh, it is worth a look if you're a fan of JRPGs, anime-related games, or just a complete Japanophile. And it's available now on the PS3. Can you just add one final point about Deadpool? Yeah. I know it's a common thing for the actual character, but the third, no, the fourth wall breaking is where the game is at its best. There's this constant thread for it where he has a back and forth with the guy in budgeting department. It, when they splurge too much money in a particular flashy sequence, they'll just change the design of the game for a little bit. Just the back and forth that they do there, it's, it's great fun. Okay. That's what makes that game, it's just great fun, despite its, yeah, uh, countless design flaws. Alright. It's a good laugh. Cool. Um, so, Iria. Iria, the story follows rookie hunter Iria, who assists her brother on a mission which ends in a giant spaceship um, exploding, which which um, has her brother still on board. After less than that, after that less than ideal outcome, Iria regains consciousness to find out she's been drifting through space for about three days, and uh, since then. Her quest, whether or not she chooses to accept it, is to get back to her home world of mice. Um, but things are never that simple. Um, throughout this series, she's always um, compared to her brother, who's looked up to for his hunting skills. And even in the first episode, which is well, each episode is twenty-five minutes long. The first episode refer each character refers to her to being like her brother. I counted that about ten times just in the first episode alone. Um, the characters, um, basically the series itself is only six episodes long, um, totaling at about 150 minutes, so it's not a long amount of time to, to build up characters, and I, I think really they've, they've really neglected building up the characters for the sake of just getting through the storyline. Um, the art style is very dated, however, this um, anime came out in around 94, so it's understandable it's um, very understandable um, it's it's quite similar to that of um, Dragon Ball Z and also Biker Mice from Mars it's sort of like that sort of era so mm. it is going to mm. look like that sort of thing awesome it's, you mean yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um, the, the sounds as well I, I find the sounds to be pretty cool it gives you the sort of feel like you're playing a, a 90s video game you've got like blaster sounds and you've got like um, yeah, blaster sounds that sound like blasters instead of pew pew. Not, not actually no. The 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 sound effects like the blasters and the explosions and even engines sound like you know the original Star Trek series. It's yeah. it's like really sort of artificial. Really, I don't know. It's it's really low budget, but it's ah, it's, it's that right, bad. It's yeah. good sort of thing. Um, for, for DVD extras, there's only one um, extra, and that is a. Um, an interview with the creator and ba- basically the interview itself doesn't really add that much light to behind the scenes on the story or to the story at all. Wasn't the creator like uh, Amamiya Kato or someone like yeah, that? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I just couldn't read it. Oh, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it, it's a short and snappy uh, series and it is what it is really. Um, take it or leave it. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely nothing special but yeah, it's, it's it's really for anyone that just want to relive sort of like 90s television. Okay, cool. Well, we do have uh, one more anime review. Um, this is for Nightwalker, which is uh, from, which is being brought to us by MVM. Um, it's an unusual series. It was made in 1998, but it's one of the really early Aerogate adaptations. 
It's based on a 16-bit color PC uh, erotic game. Oh, dear. <laughs> 16-bit color. It's just kind of... That's Leisure Suit Larry, isn't it? The original Leisure Suit Larry. Or was that 8-bit? Uh, I think it was 16. It was like the ones on the Scum yeah. engine. like uh, Yeah. Um, anyway, um, the original uh, the original game was an adventure game uh, that focused mainly on character interaction and problem solving. And uh, Nightwalker, the Midnight Detective, um, came out five years later. And to be honest, it's a bit of an unusual series. All right. Um, let's get this out of the way. What's the Japanese? Ver- uh, the, the Japanese version is good, but it's one of those rare ones where the English dub is actually not bad. Not bad either. Uh-huh. Okay, the uh, it, it's one of those late nineties English dubs, and during the nineties, they seem to have perfected the art of uh, overdubbing Japanese animation and having some idea of what they were doing and actually applying some intelligence to it. Yeah. You know, uh, and Nightwalk is one example of it where the dub is actually pretty decent. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not trying to copy the Japanese text completely. They are actually trying to be intuitive with it and trying to put phrase things in ways that maybe people might talk. Iria is very similar to that yeah. as well. It's sort of getting away from the American English, which the Japanese commonly learn. It's yeah. bringing it to the English. English. Yes, exactly. Um so yeah, um, the story in the world of Nightwalker involves uh, Shido, um, uh, Tatsuhika Shido, he's the main character. He is a detective, and it's very quickly established that he is also a vampire. It's kind of a dead giveaway, you know, with the pink hair and the suit, and, you know, he is a bishy. Um, he is helped on his investigations by Matsunaga Yayoi who is, uh, she's an agent with uh, the NOS Anti-Nightbreed Crime Unit, and his assistant, Yamazaki Riho, is a high school girl whose parents were killed by nightbreed vampires type thing. Uh Right. Um, They go through a series of adventures investigating nightbreed cases and various things, uh, nightbreed attacks, various things like that. Now, one of the biggest issues that people have with this series is that the first four episodes are very different in terms of character design, animation, um, style, everything. Uh, pretty much ev- almost every aspect of the first four episodes is different. Um, main reason for that is because the first four episodes were originally intended as just a four-part OVA, and the, la- the next eight episodes were added on when they realized that they could make an entire series out of this game, uh, out of you know, the story. Unfortunately, uh, it doesn't quite work. The storylines are very, very haphazard. It is, ver- you know, it switches between having, you know, some kind of, uh, some kind of main arc and sw- and episodic stories, and it just doesn't quite fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully, the characters are actually very, very likable. Um, Shido is an interesting character. He's, you know, he's lived for a very long time, and the interesting thing about Shido is that. He is the way he's fascinated by the limitations of human behavior, you know, the time limit that humans have on interacting with each other because he's outlived all those interactions. Um, His relationship with the IOA at times is, you know, it can be, it can switch between sensual and hilarious. Um, You know, this is, uh, there are mature themes in this show, but it doesn't go outright and become like full fledged hentai type stuff. It's all done in kind of a tasteful manner, and there's no real kind of abject nudity type stuff. Um, the most interesting character, though, 
is Riho. She, you know, the way she develops as a character throughout the series is one of the high points of the of this anime. Um, Goonie is basically the mascot character. She's this little green demon type thing who hangs around with Shido. She's basically the typical mascot character, everything like that. Um, if you are interested in 90s animation, right? If you're a fan of 90s animation, then this is something that you really should pick up, um, especially if you're 16 or over. Um, it's one of those shows that... It, it's an oddity that came out in the late 90s. And it shouldn't work, but it does, you know, to a degree. It's not the best vampire show out there, but what you can see in, in Nightwalker is where shows like uh, you know where show all the other vampire shows that came after you know Vampire Night and all those yeah. you know where they uh, where they started deviating from the more traditional type of vampire tales that were around Nightwalk is one of those things that kind of shows the divergence point you know because it is a little bit shonen but it's also a little bit shoujo as well cool. so yeah if you're interested in mid 90s anime watch it it's worth watching cool Hi there, I'm Robert Rankin and you're listening to the The Geek Show. Oh yes. And we were talking about unintentional comedy or funny business as I called it. Um, but now we're gonna talk a little bit about WonCon. Which is why we brought David. Hello. Uh yeah, WonCon is happening on the twenty fourth and twenty fifth of August at the MTLC, which is a really good little uh, venue that's like well, I say little, it's massive when you actually get in there. It's uh, basically set up for conferences and everything, so all the tech and all the PAs and everything are all like set up, and we're going to be filling all the screens all around the venue with uh, anime and uh, AMVs, and uh, we're going to be screening the uh, cosplay masquerade yeah. around the whole thing when we actually record that. Since technically we are in the animation section, what are you going to be showing? Uh, tons of stuff. We've actually had like a lot of... Um, We've uh, got some properly licensed titles that we can show from places like MVM, and uh, we've got a big list from uh, Manga, who uh, are going to be letting us show quite a lot of the big ones, like uh, even the the massive ones like One Piece, as well as the uh, other yeah. ones that yeah. Rob's got a big list of. Uh, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll admit uh, I did kind of help Dave Lea- I did kind of liaise on this one. Um, from the top of my head, there's the first four episodes of Keon, the first four episodes of One Piece, the first four episodes of Clan R. There was one more, wasn't there? One more series, uh, which are the first four episodes for. Um, and there's three movies. Yeah, um, there was Gintama the Gintama movie, yeah. which I'm looking forward to. I was saving to. that to last. But you've <laughs> ah, before. sorry. Yeah, the Gintama movie, uh, the uh, Benizakura uh, uh, movie. It's... Uh, uh, sorry, Benizakura uh, movie. It's a uh, brilliant film. And if you're a fan of Gintama, then you need to watch it. Um, well, you've already sort of seen it because there's the Benazakura arc. Yeah, it's, it's just it's re-edited, really. Isn't it's it? re-edited, but it's, it's Gintama works. and it's hilarious and it's yeah. fun. Yeah, and it works as a movie as well. Yeah. Um, there's also Welcome to the Space Show, which if you're a fan of uh, if you're a fan of like old sci-fi movies like The Explorers or something like that, then you'll like it. You'll enjoy it. It's uh, it's a nice kind of you know family-friendly sci-fi TV series, mm-hmm. uh, sci-fi movie. Sorry. And one of my one of my favourite CG movies from Japan, Oblivion Island, Haruka and the Magic Mirror. It's so nice to look at, and it has it has a solid story. I'm not saying that the storyline is brilliant in it, but it's it's solid. It works, and Cotton is just fantastic. 
Have you seen Oblivion Island? I've not seen it yet. Oh God! I you might guys, have to you guys jump missing into out. Cotton, room Cotton and have a watch if I can. Cotton, spare it, a Cotton is fantastic. If you've seen Oblivion Island and you know you think that Cotton is fantastic, then tweet us hashtag the Geek Show. Let us know what you, if you think Cotton is fantastic as well. We've also got a, a license with Crunchyroll, so we can stream yes. anything from them on the day. There's a few titles that uh, are definitely going to be screened. Uh, I know that. Uh, a couple of episodes of the new Attack on Titan are definitely going to be shown. Uh, but uh, if you've got any requests, as we can do anything from Crunchyroll, we'd love to hear some requests of yeah, what you want to see Yeah, they're giving you like a special membership for the day. Yeah, it's going to be premium and the best, uh, the best streams all the way through the day. So we've got that for two days, so Fantastic. we can basically take abuse of it. <laughs> <laughs> so And uh, we're going to be able to watch it in a screening room where it's all going to be nice and quiet. And also going to be able to watch it in the cafe as well, where we'll have like uh, food, drink, and snacks, so you yeah. can just chill and have the subtitles on, even if uh, people are talking over it. Wow, it sounds fantastic! The chance to see these great series and TV shows on big screens, yes, it just takes it to a whole new level. You know, it's another string to the bow of one con. Well, it's yeah. a good way of like introducing your friends to it as well. If like uh, you've seen a series that you really want to get people into, you can just drag them in for a, for a couple of minutes, and uh, let's see if they respond to it of course yeah. I'd love to see Attack on Titan on a big screen I think that'd be yeah. kind oh, of yeah. intense the, uh, the first couple of episodes definitely oh yeah oh yeah the other one was uh, Squid Girl episode one. Oh yeah Squid Girl's good nice little slice of life with a bit of a wackiness to it it's a shame they're not letting you uh, screen uh, a Princess Jellyfish though because Princess Jellyfish is fantastic well, we Squid give them Girl, a lot of like yeah, options. So. Yeah, Squid Girl's really good, but Princess Jellyfish is just on another level. Yeah, Squid Girl lo- kind of loses it a little bit with the eco-friendly message, but Princess Jellyfish is just kind of you know, like female otaku do what? Well, for a first time come, we've actually got a lot yes. on our side at yes, the minute. You, which yes, is, you do. It's going great at the minute, so we're just hoping to build on all the success and all the help that we're getting for every everyone, and just build the best con we can. Uh, Greg's coming down Greg Ayres yes. uh, he's going to be uh, doing sign-ins and events uh, and uh, so we're, we're trying to get him to uh, do some round tables with some of our other guests Greg Ayres where do we know that name from? <laughs> uh, Deadla- Deadman Wonderland is one of his biggest ones uh, Beck and uh, he might not like me oh, that'll, 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 that'll be where yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't slit his role I yeah. just slated the, slated the show as a show. And uh, Oran High School, Horse Club. Which one was he in, Oran? One of the twins. Or m- maybe uh, both of the twins. I think just one. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You're right, he was. Because uh, Soatamaki is uh, one of my favourite male characters. Just because he's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Ah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, we've also sorted out a lot, a lot in the way of gaming. Um, if you've been following our Facebook group, you've been seeing we've been releasing the tournaments that we're going to be running gradually, like uh, every about once every two weeks. We've been showing a new one, but there's going to be some uh, fun uh, tournaments that anyone can join in. Things like uh, Mario Kart that anyone can have a go at, and Smash Brothers, and then we've got some more things like uh, Tekken Tag <laughs> Two, Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom. Nice. And uh, have you got some uh, heavies on? Sane, because them games can get pretty heated. Yes. With the competition. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. We've done uh, the uh, the events we ran over at Mink. Uh, we did a Smash Brothers tourney. That there was twenty six teams that entered, teams of two. Yeah. So that means there was fifty two people crowded <laughs> round, cheering, like reacting to everything that was going on, 
and uh, friendly fire was on, so teammates were killing each other over uh, arguments they were having. Ouch. <laughs> well, well, I think that deflated a little bit. One no, of the it funniest, just makes it funnier. One oh, of the funniest okay. things I've seen at a gaming tournament is we were running Mario Kart Double Dash, uh, playing as a team. People start bickering like they're a couple driving a car. <laughs> After a while, they just start like bickering at each other. Uh, backseat driving and everything, it's brilliant. <laughs> Maybe for the next Mario Kart tournament, you should do it as a team thing, but only have one person driving, everyone else is a passenger. <laughs> uh, and have like multiple routes, so you can see yeah. you shouldn't have gone down there. It's much quicker yes. if you do that. <laughs> test drive, test drive might actually work for that. <laughs> or Burnout Paradise. Yes. And <laughs> um, we're doing, of course, we're doing a big Pokemon tournament. So yes. train up your teams and come down and see if you can be a Pokemon master. We're going to try a side tournament on Pokemon Stadium on the N64. So the original 151. Nice. <laughs> nice. So the, like, see if you uh, remember <laughs> what's overpowered in Gen 1. Eee. Now you're asking. <laughs> Leaf Seed Toxic. Yes. And uh, just use uh, Earthquake on everything. <laughs> nice broad mix there. Yes. Looking pretty epic, Wonkon. I've got to be honest, I, I am really excited about it. It's, uh... Where is the MTLC again? It's over there. Uh, no, it's down Corporation <laughs> Road. Um, it's... It's, uh, it's down Corporation Road. It's a little bit out of Middlesbrough, but uh, for the venue we've got, it's worth it. It's a really nice venue and uh, it's got full uh, catering and everything on the day so as well as the uh, maid cafe we've got set up where you'll be able to order meals yeah, uh, check it out on the forums they're, uh, they're doing bento boxes and things on the day it's well served by buses as well so it's, it's easy yeah. to get to isn't it yeah, oh, it's well easy there's just like one bus from the town centre and you're there yeah, it's, yeah exactly, it's easy easy well, peasy well, it's only a short hike from here as well yeah oh there's a massive car park as well so you can actually just turn up in like a uh, a cosplay instead of going on the bus like, oh, mis- to get a lift misinterpreted that I thought you meant a car park for massive cars <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, a big yeah. car park <laughs> turn up in your jeep squad I dare you oh big foot <laughs> oh, I suppose monster trucks have to park somewhere so. <laughs> <laughs> why not <laughs> sounds like a great event it does it does well hopefully I'll see you all there in August the 24th and the 25th yes and in the meantime check out our website because we're adding more artists and dealers all the time confirming on the website that's at wonkon.co.uk awkward silence <laughs> don't give me that have we got an interview to play today I believe we do don't yes, we yes we do um, it is an interview with Abby, uh, Abby Howard Abby Howard um, who uh, was uh, one of the finalists in that uh, I've forgotten the name of it that it was basically a comic event to find the next new hot comic talent oh strip search that's yeah one, that's yes. it strip search thank yeah, you she was one of the final three yes um, apparently she was uh, her artwork wasn't that great but it was her stories that really wiped the floor with everybody which uh, I was quite impressed oh, with her artwork was pretty good as well actually yeah, she did a lot of good things in the elimination rounds and that uh, I watched the whole series because uh, I kind of enjoyed it it was quite, quite good it was like a reality show without the bitching because they just actually did art instead of uh, like all the infighting and things like that. Okay. Um, where are we? There we are. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, Harry, the lovely Harry, uh, was the person doing the interview. Uh, we are going to be back in a few minutes, but uh, this is Abby Howard talking to Harry. Hello. 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 Hello.
This is the Geek Show interview with Strip Search finalist, a comic artist, and general all-round comedy and horror aficionado, Abby Howard. Focusing on the Kickstarter, can you tell us a little bit about the characters? Are you wanting to keep that secret until it comes out? What, what can you tell us? I can tell you about the characters, like some of the characters. Not a whole lot about all of them, but like the basic characters, Ian. Mm-hmm. So... Any character in specific you want me to talk about, or just like all of them? I want to say all of them, but part of me also is to say, Ring Lee, he's an adorable silly. He is my favorite. I put him everywhere, because he's great. Yeah. Uh, Ring Lee is a tween vampire, and that's pretty much it. He's just trapped in tweenhood forever, so he's kind of gone insane because he's a tween forever. Oh, the God. worst part of life. Tweenhood is yeah. insanity as well, jeez. Indeed, so uh, he's awesome. And he's a vampire, so he lives forever. He's, like, however many hundreds of years old. Mm-hmm. So he's had to live as a tween for quite a long time. And then Robert is sort of his fold? foil. That's the one. Robert is his foil. Robert is a living doll. That's Some people have asked because it's, like, sort of a strange-looking character. Mm-hmm. It's the one dressed as a sailor. Yeah. Also, people think he's wearing one. a bonnet. Yeah, the, little, the smallest one. Mm-hmm. And he has also been alive for a really long time. He's actually based off of a real thing, so uh, he's pretty cool. And he's sort of just, he really just hates Ringley because he's had to put up with Ringley for a long time, and he's just like, you're too ridiculous, and I hate you. So every opportunity, he just badmouths Ringley. That's fun. Yeah, and Shirley is a hipster zombie. She's my least favorite. I just put everything I hate about hipster culture into her. Everything uh, that comes out of her mouth is just, like, the worst. And Banjo and... is a were-possum who is a lawyer most of the time and then once a month transforms into these, this uh, possum creature. And yes, he doesn't do much. Like, Yeah, he doesn't, like, kill people. He just eats from the garbage and is scared by women with brooms, <laughs> like possums. Awesome. There's, uh, I think, yeah. the other main one. Well, the other main ones would be Molly Merkins, the the protagonist of our story. Mona. Oh, Mona. Yeah. Mona oh, is just. Oh, that's fine. She's a little girl that's sort of just thrust in with all these crazy characters, who are just awful, and she's just like, "Why are you all so awful? We have to save the world. What's wrong with you?" And they're just like, "Ha ha ha." It's pretty much just the reaction to all of it. So. She's the competent one. She's the one who tries to keep the the misfit group together, then. Sort of. She never really wanted to do any of it anyway. She was just like, I'm a ten-year-old. Why do I have to do this? And then everyone else is just like, you should do it. It's going to be so fun. Let's go have fun. And she's like, this isn't going to be fun. What are you talking about? And then she had just no choice. She had to go. (laughs) Fair enough. Let's see. And I think the last one is the the Invisible Doctor. uh, Mysterious one. Ah, (laughs) Dr. F. That's all. Look forward to We'll meet him later on. I will wait to introduce more about Dr. F. Mad scientist is all he is. Oh, actually, that reminds me. What was the people's reaction? What kind of comments did you get after you, in a surprising turn? People weren't expecting it. Unexpected turn slew Erica Moen, who is like, you were the, the newest to, to comics and web making. And she'd had, like, multiple comics out. She'd had things published in the conventions. It was like, David and Goliath going on, and you, you weren't. Pretty inarguably as well. That strip is hilarious. What were the reactions yeah, like? How did you feel after that? She's been doing comics for 15 years, like, as of today. It's her birthday today. I love you, Americans. Happy birthday. But, yeah. So, it's just, like, I was not expecting that at all. Going into it, I was just like, well, I'll give it a good run. But, I mean, this is a long time coming. And after I did it, I was like, oh, well was pretty much reaction is just like, I guess I can do comics, because I didn't know. 
I mean, some people, I've said this in a couple of other places, I guess, but like I had like 10 fans before strip search because I had only just aired my comics. It wasn't even a year old until like a week ago. It's like I had 36 comics on the internet. No one had heard of me. My friends and family were the only ones who thought my comics were funny. And everybody else is just like, why are you so bad at school? It's because you do all these comics. God, stop doing all the comics. Maybe you'll be better at school. So, yeah, that's where I was coming from. And then I went into this elimination challenge and won. And I was like, oh, I could be a cartoonist. This can be a real thing. That made me so happy because I've always wanted to be a cartoonist. And now I'm here and I'm doing it. <laughs> and only all the money and all the cats and a debatable amount of D, depending on which D you want. Indeed. The, I can have my pick of the D. That's what I truly wanted, was my pick of the D. For the monsters in um, Last Halloween, are you going for things that are mostly original off your own head, or things that are based on things? Like classic horror yeah. or mythos? I'm allowed a really wide range because of how I've set up the monsters. That's going to be explained later on. But I'm going to have a fair mix of stuff that already exists and stuff that's right out of my head. A lot of it's going to be right out of my head because it's, you know, spooky stuff. But, I mean, it all depends on what people are scared of. So some people are scared of movie monsters, so they're going in there too. Mm -hmm. oh, fair enough. Yeah. Is your head like a vault? It allows of for a lot of freedom. Well, I didn't think so at first. But now that I've actually, like, put pen to paper and been like, what do I want to make today? And, like, draw a monster. I'm like, wait. That's a pretty spooky monster, and it's like different every time. So I don't know. I'm excited because I've always wanted to do horror because horror is great and wonderful, and I've seen like every horror movie ever, and horror is great. Ah, fair enough. Actually, so I'm, I'm happy with it. Well, we talk a lot on the show about horror seeming to have gone into some kind of decline and just gone into straight up gonographies recently. How do you feel about current horror films? I try to think about this sometimes. Like when I see more horror movies nowadays, it's just like there's lots of gore, but we're also getting into like weird psychological stuff. It's hard to say, because there's a lot of, like, box office horror is one thing, and then there's, like, independent horror. And there is a lot of gore in independent horror as well, so... I think it's because special effects have gotten so good that it's just, like, anybody can make a really good horror, like, gore movie. Mm -hmm. But we'll also have stuff like Mama, which actually did make it to the box office, and was terrifying because of the ghost in it, and there was, like, almost no blood at all. Mm. So we'll also have stuff like that. It was excellent. It's like, I am never scared by movies, but I was scared by Mama. It was so good. Guillermo. Guillermo del Toro. He's Wait, I missed, a, I missed a Guillermo del Toro film? What? It's a Guillermo movie. It's an American one, but still. It's freaking love Pan's Labyrinth. I must watch this. Yes. Have you seen The Orphanage? Uh, no. <gasps> You'll love it. It's another Guillermo, and it's a Spanish one. Yeah. So, uh, the Orphanage, not The Orphan, because that's a terrible film. Oh, yeah, I guess I think I heard of that. But I feel like we've always had really bad horror movies. There was excellent horror movies. The 80s is a really excellent horror movie time, I feel. There was lots of really good Cronenberg in that time. <laughs> and just, like, American Werewolf in London, like, really good special effects, I felt. It was just a really good pioneer time for, uh, like, physical special effects, not, like, digital which I love. I just love him so much. It's just such a treat. It's like, mm -hmm. how did you do that? It's so amazing. It looks so good. Mm -hmm. I miss that stuff. There's still some good stuff that day. Uh, right, yes. So, donate. Check out JS Power Hour while you're wanting and waiting for the last Halloween. If you donate any of the low amounts, you still get to see it three weeks early before it all goes out. So, you know, you will know you want it. 
you know. And yes, remember those, give the three, give the cats, give the nightmares, uh, give the money. All those three, none the D, and uh, we shall see, and Abby shall see you in when the Kickstarter ends. Yay! So best of luck. Alright, thanks. And thanks guys. Goodbye. I love you. Hi everyone. Welcome back to 104.5 CVFM. That was Abby Howard talking to Harry. We are unfortunately at the end of the show and the end of Series 6. It has been uh, interesting. It has. Insightful. And (sighs) there's been lots of stuff going on. Mm, A lot of change. Yes, a lot of change. Um, we'll be back in two weeks time we are off next week for our usual summer break um, we'll be back the week after with the start of series 7 look forward to it because we're going to bring in some new things next series mm-hmm. things that we didn't have a chance to uh, bring in this series we'll be coming in next series look forward to it in the meantime I've been Rob I've been Israel I've been quiet but I've been Rob too and I've been Dave. Thanks for uh, inviting me along, and uh, I'll see you all at OneCon on the uh, 24th of August. Yes, we'll see you all later. For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.